Hello, everybody out in podcast land. This is Mr. Wills. And this is Brittany. And this is Signals from Pittsburgh. Today, we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine and a friend of the show. Mr. Jason Baker is joining us today. Hello, Mr. Baker. How are you? Good, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Wonderful. (laughs) I want to thank you for coming on the show because I know you have a busy ass schedule. Starting a new company, working for WWE, working along Tom Savini still coming up with new things. It's like you have your fingers in many pies. So I really do appreciate you taking time at this late hour to uh, come on here and give us a little chat today. Yeah, man, absolutely, guys. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Of course. So starting out, um, I wanted to get in to how you, I met you, how you and I met initially and talk about that. And then we'll get into kind of what you're doing now and where we're laying in 2020 with all this craziness going on and kind of the projects you're into and tell us about the uh, studio you started that spoiler alert you hired me to help you with and uh, I really appreciate it because uh, you gave me a job when I was laid off and uh, but we'll have uh, Britt talk to you about that because I might be a little bit biased. (laughs) (laughs) Well how did we meet did we meet at Half Price Books or was it through Dom? I think we initially met I the first time I remember seeing you was uh, I was working for uh, at the time Living Dead Weekend. This is how we fell in love, Britt. Take notes. <laughs> how the romance started. It was because uh, I was actually looking at pictures today from a couple years ago of it was you, me, and uh, your wife Mandy, or you, me, you, me, me, you, and your wife it's Mandy. Still and your wife Mandy. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, she's like my sister. We talk about that all the time. It's like uh mandy and i are like dumb in the same way and i mean that with all due love it's just like we have the same brain farts i'm like we have to be like separated at birth or adopted and we both love jason so it's like this has to be like we have to be cousins at least or something <laughs> but um she's the she ready your he-man what's that she's the she ready your he-man <laughs> she she she's like yeah she's like she ready she ready your the uh, can you give us a little uh, your Skeletor impression? No, I really can't. I don't know. <laughs> Not Skeletor. I could do the. I mean, I used to be able to do a pretty nasty Cobra Commander, but that was way back in the day. That, that, that was, was too late in the night for that. So <laughs> that was uh, before. Uh, yeah, that was before you were working uh, twenty-eight hours a day. Yeah. Um, but now I remember seeing you at um, Living Dead Weekend, and you were with Tom. Tom Savini, for those of you who aren't paying attention. And I thought, I was like, is that Tom's, like, one? I thought you were one of Tom's sons, or I wasn't sure. Yeah, I, I, I get that a lot. That's the big, that's, it's either, it's either Tom's son or his gay lover. And, <laughs> you know, and like, tur- people that I'm like, no, no, Tom is as straight as they come. And I hope <laughs> I'm not a son, because that would be very weird. Because I did not grow up in Pittsburgh, so <laughs> mom would have a lot of experience. Long, long lost. <laughs> yeah. She uh, saw Tom Savini in concert one night and uh, got backstage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You know, no, it's no. either Tom or Gene Simmons. One of them is my. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Either, either way, you may be owed uh, a lot of inheritance there. Yeah. So, <laughs> but no, I, I just, um, yeah, that's how I initially remember us meeting. Uh, and then I just asked everybody who you were. And the funniest thing about it is I, you know, I asked the show promoters, I asked, 
you know, a lot like my buddy Larry, who works there. Nobody knew who you were. I was like, you guys know everything. I'm like, if I have a George A. Romero question or a question about anything, I ask Larry or I ask Daz or I need those guys and they know and nobody knew who you were, which is they're like their uh, canned response was, oh, he came with Tom. I'm like, I see him. And this was like I had seen you for I'm multiple awesome. shows. <laughs> yeah they're, they're like almost like they were afraid to like approach you. they're like we don't know he came with tom that's a, I was like that's another one i've gotten we don't ask questions <laughs> well i'm a little bit of a heftier guy a little broad-shouldered so i kind of i think i fall into that bouncer bodyguard stereotype a lot like i'm like even though in real life i'm like the biggest pussy on the planet I <laughs> well i wouldn't say that but i would say you're yeah you give off the demeanor of don't fuck with me and yeah, like so it, a lot of people are like man tom hired muscle <laughs> <laughs> so hang out man that's that's it so because i had known tom from shows too but i think it was pretty cool once we started talking it was like oh yeah this guy's cool shit and down to earth so that's that's how i remember meeting you maybe on your side you're like i don't know you were just some weird guy that walked up and i was like what the fuck so but yeah what's your side of it i mean i really back to working with tom i really had no intentions of ever working with and for Tom. I never thought that when I moved out here to go to a school that that was going to be even an option. You know, I my my plan was to move out here, go through the uh, the Sweeney program and then uh, move to LA and then just be a shop jockey for my, <laughs> the rest of my life. Just, you know, work at effect shop and effect shop and just, cause that's what, you know, so many people do is you get, cause every job is only, you know, every gig is part-time. So, you know, like I know so many friends that it's like, oh, I'm working for Stan Winston for six weeks and then hopefully I can get on this. And then I found out that K&B might be doing a new TV show. So maybe I can go over there and work for them for a month or, you know, and then I'm going to go work for, uh, you know, Alec Guinness and these guys over at this shop. So you just kind of like everybody I know bounces around from studio to studio to studio. So that was kind of my initial plan was just do that, was to just kind of go to L.A. and be a shop jockey. And um, uh, just out of weird circumstances and things happening, <laughs> that didn't pan out. So life took you on a different ride. Yeah, it kind of did. Um, I I graduated from school. Went with you Tom's program. Had no money to move, and they had just started the film program, the George A. Romero film program at Douglas. And I was like, well, I have no money. You know what I should do? Get in a more debt. That sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. So I ended up signing up for the uh, the film program and went through that and um, ended up staying around working on Batman and a bunch of other, or Dark Knight Rises and a bunch of other films for about a year here in Pittsburgh. And then I just kind of got bored and some other stuff happened. I just wanted to move away, kind of get a fresh start and uh, moved to Phoenix for a while, worked on some TV shows there. Um, Ended up work getting a job offer to come back to West Virginia and work for MTV on this TV show called Buck Wild. And I got hired as their art director for the first season. Um, and, and then I went back to do the second season and I was going to, I was like, okay, well then, you know, I got a, I got a pay raise. I can finish this. I'll do the second season. And then I'll move to LA with all the money I'm going to save up because they were going to put me in, a, you know, put me in a hotel and pay for me. So it's kind of almost like being in the military where, you know, your paychecks are almost like 100% take home. And after I was there three days, less than a week, and our lead original cast member actually killed himself. Uh, Shane Gandy got drunk one night and went driving out with his uncle and his cousin and decided to go tear it up in the mud and got their car stuck and left it running. So 
and he, you know, they accidentally killed themselves through carbon monoxide poisoning. So overnight, I, I was, uh, <laughs> was jobless and homeless. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> that's a horrible turn of events. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it felt horrible. She, you know, like I just spent nine months of the the previous year six days a week every day with this kid so it was wow. really it was really heartbreaking it was really sad he was really sweet wonderful down to earth and he was a kid he was like literally 21 years old Jeez. so That's wild. Uh, yeah it was nuts um so i ended up, <laughs> ended up calling andy the guy andy westfall that works shout out to andy who works at our shop with us mondays to tuesdays and he's Andy's. my part-time lover Wednesday, wednesdays to saturday andy <laughs> is a lovely uh human being he's uh he actually did. He was a line producer on uh, the one show they worked on, Feast of the Seven Fishes. And uh, Andy knows a lot about film, and he's really—he's not pretentious. He's got—he's like a wealth of knowledge. But you can ask him any question, and he'll give you his honest opinion, but without making you feel stupid or in, inferior. I've asked him quite a bit, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. this is how you do this." He's really—he's a, a good teacher. He's a fucking genius, and he's so—he's one of those people that. Once you have them on your side, you know everything's going to be okay when it comes to like production. Andy's been my producer on everything I've ever directed because I'm like, anytime I get a job, I'm just like, Andy, I need your help. <laughs> Andy sent me. <laughs> so, uh, but no, yeah, so I ended up moving back in with Andy up here, renting a room from him, and uh, I ran into Tom. Tom was like, I need some help with some stuff. And I thought it was going to be like a one, two-day gig, and it's now, what, seven years later? <laughs> <laughs> So, so is that, so getting into the jobs you've done for Tom and getting into the George J. Romero film program that, that you entered into, you were, were you in the first class? I know because they had just launched it, right? I was like the third or fourth or something. Yeah. Like I think it, it was still definitely in his infancy. I, it wasn't even called the George Romero film program. But he, yeah. he, he did come to the school and speak, I believe. Are you, were you close with George? Um, I mean, I don't want to say close, you know, I mean, because especially like, you know, when I know people like Greg and Tom and, you know, Marty Schiff and all these people who like, they were legitimately close with George, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, I knew George and we, rec you know, he'd recognize me and no, I mean, you know, every time I'd see George, we'd talk, we'd shoot the shit, um, you know, a lot of mutual friends, you know, I was always kind of the like mediator. When George started getting involved with the school, I was working a lot with the Misfits with so and you know of course George, jerry and doyle had a history with george from doing the scream video and everything so it was always like you know i'd see george and tell him that you know jerry and doyle said hi and then anytime i'd see doyle and jerry it'd be like george said hi so and then you know we'd be like in the room with each other and i'd throw them on the phone with each other stuff like that um you know and then just getting to know george through tom and with tom and everything and you know getting to meet suze who's just an absolutely lovely woman i love suze um yeah, we love Tina, too. You know, getting to know Tina, George's daughter, with um, we did a project together a few years ago called Flickr um, with George's school. You know, they called me back and we, you know, I I was Tina's AD and did some acting in it and Tom directed an episode and that was a blast. So it's just been, you know, yeah, like I, 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 I can't say that I, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh yeah, George and I were like best friends or anything. Cause we were, you know, but you had a relation. It sounds like you had a good working I, relationship with them and sort like of, a personal I mean, relationship. It was more, you know, I'm like, yeah, it was sort of, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. friend of a friend, definitely, you know, I'm like, and that's the thing. I mean, compared to like him and Tom, I'm like, I'm not even a fucking speck on the radar. 
Well, they had a lifetime together, but I think you, what I really liked when I first met you and still to this day is you're very affable. If like, if you like somebody, you know, you'll bust their balls, but you can tell. And then I can tell when you don't like some, you're not in a, like in a guarded, maybe in a bit of a guarded way, because honestly, in this industry, so many people are just like, and that's, and that's when I initially met you too. It's like, I know so many people are like use Tom or anybody famous they can get as a gateway. And I don't ever want to come off like that. Like when I meet famous people and if, if it's just for that, like, Oh, I just want you to sign this or I just want to talk about that. But I didn't feel that way with you. I was like, I could get along with this guy. This guy's cool as fuck. But, um, and, and that was very important. That's cognizant. And I think maybe you're, is that kind of the same way you feel? It's like, you don't want to say, Oh, I was his friend or, or, you know, overstep. Cause I, I'm very trying to be cautious with that too. Cause certain people will be like, Oh, Oh, then you can talk to Tom about this or you can get me to this. And I think it's kind of a negative about being so close to celebrities sometimes as people kind of step over the line. And I'm trying I try to be cognizant of not doing that. And it sounds like you were too. I mean, you kind of, I don't know, man, it's just, it's, I think it's a respect thing. I think it's a, it's just sort of a, a coup thing, I guess, you know, I'm like, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, you know, cause it's at the end of the day, it is a job. I mean, mm-hmm. you want to say professional, at least I try to say professional. I mean, I like to have fun, especially clients, you know, like I've been lucky and so grateful and lucky to have a few clients that have turned into really good friends. And um, so, you know, it's like we get to crack jokes and I get to, you know, joke around with them and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, they are clients. They are, you know, it is a professional setting. So, you know, I don't and I don't ever want anybody to ever feel like I'm taking advantage of them, nor do I ever want to feel like anybody's taking advantage of me. Um, You know, that's just not how life should be. You should want to be around people because you enjoy their company, not because of how many Instagram followers they have or how many movies they've been in. Um, You know, you should, you should just enjoy their company. Like, dude, I love Tom. If Tom wasn't who Tom was and I met him and he was still the same person, I would hang out with him. Like I would still, (laughs) (laughs) like he's just so wonderful and down to earth and I think a lot of times I forget that that yeah I'm like yeah that's fucking Tom Savini <laughs> well going going from that that's a good segue into the next question I was going to ask you about um how smoke and mirrors came to be because that's what I really loved about um your documentary for those of you who don't know get with it and we'll put a link up in the um show notes here but uh Jason directed a very um extensive documentary on Tom Savini and we've seen, you know, videos and docs in the past, like chronicling what kind of special effects and what kind of movies he's worked on. But this was one of the most personal. I'd never seen Tom Savini in this light before. I had known a little bit of this side of him just from becoming a show friend through the years. But Jason, like you really shined a light and you really did a great job chronicling what it was like to not only be his friend, but to see the world kind of through his eyes and showed a whole new side. Would you like to, talk about how that came to be yeah um what i mean <laughs> i tell everybody what it was was when i uh when i first came to the school and i you know i'd see stuff online about how tom was such a dick <laughs> you know, or like, you know if you're, you'd be like oh i met tom at a convention he was a fucking asshole he, you know barely talked to me or i you know or oh i came to tom's school and he never like talks to me and 
And I'm like, wow, that's, you know, and I'm like, I hadn't even met him yet. And like, this is the stuff I'm hearing from people. And I'm like, well, that sucks. That's too bad. And then I met him and I'm like, wait, this guy? <laughs> like this, they think this guy's a dick. And then um, Tom hired me to do uh, special effects for his short film called The Wrong House. And we went and stayed in Deep Creek, Maryland for like four days. And um, like I was still in school and everything when we did it. And just the way that Tom treated everyone on the set, like we were a bunch of students and, you know, Tom could have flicked cigarette butts at us and we would have just been like, sure thing, sir. We'll get that right away. And he, you know, he treated all of us like we were professionals, like we, we, you know, that we were like 15 year veterans. And um, just the way I saw him talk to everybody around him and he was so kind and compassionate to everybody. And, um, you know, and his grandson, James was acting in it at the time and just saw how he worked, you know, how much he loved James and, and, you know, of course, and then James's daughter or James's mom, Leah was there and just seeing how he interacted with his daughter and everything. So that was just, I was like, man, this guy's fucking amazing. Like he's so sweet and so kind. And, um, you know, one of the other kickers too was the whole film was takes place at night. So we did night shoots and Tom and I were the only two people that couldn't fall asleep. So we'd be up at like noon, everybody else like would be dead out, crashed out. And we'd be up just kind of shooting the shit. And Tom would tell me these amazing stories about life and Vietnam and everything. And we wrapped the film. And for like weeks, I just couldn't stop thinking about how I'm like, this guy has never really had his opportunity to tell a story to the world. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions here that, you know, I, I think would be really good to get rid of. And uh, so I pitched the, the idea to Tom and Tom was all for it. And, um, and it ended up taking up like eight years of my life. So, but you know, the other thing too, that I pitched to Tom was that I'm like, you know, you watch so many documentaries about people or filmmakers or musicians or whatever. And it starts out, it's like, you know, and you're like, oh, well I was born and then I was awesome. And then I did this awesome thing. And then I got married and then I did this other awesome thing. And Mm -hmm. then that's it, the end. And you're like, well, what the fuck? Like, I didn't know, I didn't learn anything about the person. I'm like, you just talked about your career highlights and that's not what I want to do with Tom. Like a resume. <laughs> right. And, you know, they're usually like, yeah, they're just these glorified resumes and stuff. And, you know, especially like when I found out that Tom was a single parent for years. And I'm like, you know, there's so many like, I mean, you can turn on Lifetime any time of the day and there's like some movie about a single mother. It's like no disrespect to single mothers, you know. Right. We love you. Thank you all. But there's not a lot of single dad stories out there. So that was the other thing that really intrigued me is that I'm like, you know, here's this guy and he's doing all this shit. And then he's also making sure that his daughter is getting up and going to school in the morning. And um, so that was the angle when I, you know, when I sat Tom down and pitched him the idea of doing the film, you know, I told him, I was like, I don't really want to tell the story about the guy who threw a bunch of fake blood all over the mineral over the mall. I want to tell the story about the guy who did that. And then, was home in time to make sure that his daughter was up and ready for school. You know, that's the story that intrigues me. And then, you know, making sure that is having to make that life changing choice of the fact that it's like, do I keep pursuing my career? Do I put it on hold? So my kid doesn't end up a fuck up like so many other Hollywood kids, you know, I don't want my kid ended up, you know, raised on sets or raised by nannies or, you know, end up in rehab by the time she's 13 or, you know, all this other shit, all the other stigmas that, you know, you always hear about like child actors or, you know, kids of famous people end up with, you know, being raised by like six nannies and all this other jazz. So, 
you know, I'm like for Tom to do that and put everything on hold to raise Leah is such so commendable and so admirable. And I'm like, I don't think there's a lot of people that would be willing to do that. Yeah, especially in his position with the uh, some of the opportunities he had at the time. Well, it, it all happened right after Dust Till Dawn, too. So yeah. like, I couldn't imagine, like, you know, here's somebody who's busted their ass for 30 years to finally get a breakout role as an actor, and, you know, and he gets his breakout role. And then it's like, well, shit, I got to I got to be a dad first. Yeah. Well, that's so fucking heartwarming and amazing. And I'm like. Like I know so many people's parents that like would not do that for them. Exactly. No, absolutely not. And the fact that you brought that, you bring that to life in your film was just a, a hallmark of how great of a documentary it is. And I know it's, you know, it may sound, you know, we're friends, but I honestly thought that the second I saw it, I said, you know, you, you nailed it. You showed him in a light. You know, you didn't take away who he was. You highlighted his work, but that was just his work. And Yeah, but you know what, man? I didn't really do shit. All I did was point a camera at Tom and let Tom show the world how amazing he is. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you you created something from nothing, so there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gave him the opportunity, too. But yeah, I, I got to say, I was very refreshed. And I actually watched it um, before I met you. Um, it came out right before, I think, last year last year feels like 20 years ago but yeah no, no, i watched it in 2019 oh yeah 2019 can we go back there <laughs> but yeah no i had watched it um not too long before i met you and um i remember being very refreshed i didn't know anything about you or anything about anything and uh it's like okay it's just gonna be another like you know resume uh which is fine i'm like i want to watch that but um but no, I was very refreshed. I think it's, I think you did a great job. <laughs> and then I met you on New Year's and I was like, oh, this, okay, okay. I got a face to the name now. Yeah. And I'm very not impressed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here we are. No, I'm very impressed. So yeah, I mean, do should we uh, maybe get into what you're doing now? Sure. So 2020 happened. Yeah, 2020 did fucking happen. <laughs> In a big way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so you ended up kind of well. I mean, you you'll tell the story, but twenty twenty kind of helped slingshot your studio. Yes and no. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. Um. We were actually going to move into the studio space in May. Um. We'll re- rewind <laughs> to about January of twenty twenty. <laughs> Yeah, what led up to this? Uh, yeah, so before the world stopped, um, Tom and I were planning on doing a big, huge project for WrestleMania. You know, as um, one of our, you know, as you guys know, one of our big clients is WWE. Um, you know, Tom and I have been blessed with being a part of WWE for the last, I think Tom probably... Yeah, I think this was like the 10th WrestleMania in a row that Tom's been involved with in some way, shape, or form. A decade, yeah. Yeah, almost. Uh, Damn near, yeah. So anyways, we, um, Tom and I went to a big corporate meeting in January out at, you know, in Connecticut with WWE. We talked about ideas for this and that and all this stuff. And so we were going to do all this stuff for WrestleMania. So we were like, cool, great. We got this job. 
we don't have to go look for anything else. <laughs> we'll just, you know, just kind of prep all through February and March. No big yeah. deal. March right into 2020. Yeah. And that's confidence. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, so then once we do this, we'll have enough money to move, you know, we'll, we'll take this and I'll open up the, I'll move into the studio. Cause, um, no, it's funny. I always joke with Tom about how like a Godfather three does ass. Like he was like pretty much retired from <laughs> special effects. And then I pulled him back in. It's like, you thought you were out. I got you. <laughs> so, well, but, I, you know, but that's also why I wanted to open a studio was because I wanted, you know, I'm like, Tom has done so much for me, you know, literally if it wasn't for Tom, I wouldn't have a house or, you know, anything. Um, so I really wanted to, I wanted to open a shop because it was like, it was just inevitable. We were running out of space and we're running out of room. You know, we were doing stuff at Tom's little private studio and we we're working in my basement and everything kind of keeping it that old school kind of guerrilla tactics. And we just were I'm like, we're getting too much work, Tom. We can't do this. And I'm like, I will, everything will go into my name. We'll start the studio together. Everything like this, you know, the lease will be in my name. The company will be in my name. The fucking light bill will be in my name. <laughs> take care of everything so that way you get the best of both worlds you can come and you can be involved with effects because i always love to fuck with tom like tom never is like he's like oh i don't want to do stuff and then i'll like leave him some clay and then i'll come back 20 minutes later and there's like the most fucking beautiful sculpture ever so i'm just just can't help himself yeah no it's like it's that total like old western cliche where it's like it's like i'm retired i'm a farmer now and then you give him a six shooter and he goes and like kills like 25 people and that's awesome He's teaching so anyways, the young yeah, gunfighter. We were, to do, we were supposed to do all this stuff for WrestleMania, and then the world ended, or, you know, got put on pause. So overnight, it was like, shit, we have no work coming in. I have no idea what we're going to do. Um, luckily, I got to go be involved with the uh, part of the filming of WrestleMania. So we went and shot that, came back, didn't really know what was going on, you know, wasn't going around tom because you know march april nobody really know knew anything about anything so they were just you know everybody was just told to sit home and do fuck all so yeah and you know what it was i was talking to my sister one day and um she was telling me about how she tried to take my nieces who were i think they're like what like 12 and 10 or something to the store and you know they had to wear masks and my one niece freaked out like she couldn't comprehend that like the world had changed that fast overnight and that now people wear masks and you know you can't be around each other and everything you know and it's like that's a lot for a kid to take in mm-hmm. and um i had some old um rejected skeleton masks for like a job we did and so i took them and i painted them like pink and purple like girly colors for my two nieces and uh glued some filters in and sent them to him. And I was like, so look there now, if we got to go to the store, we can just, it'll be like trick or treat. It'll be like Halloween. We can, you know, let's try to have some fun out of this horrible situation. And um, so I did that. And then like, I think I had like a broken hockey mask in my studio and I'm like, Oh, well, I'll cut this up and I'll take it over to Tom. Cause we haven't seen, I haven't seen Tom in weeks and everything else. So I just kind of did that and thought it was funny. Tom took, you know, we took a picture of it, threw it up on his uh, Instagram as a joke. And I think like within 24 hours, it got like 30,000 hits. And Tom said he woke up the next day to like 400 messages from people on where they could, uh, wondering where they could get it. And uh, like Scott Ian from Anthrax called me and was like, hey man, I want a mask. And I was like, sure, Scott Ian of Anthrax, let me (laughs) figure this out. Yes. And um, 
so yeah again and i'm like oh well you know and like i hadn't worked and by the time we came up with all this i don't think my wife and i had worked in a month we were kind of sketching about bills just like every other american or anybody else in the world and um so like i had like i took my last like 75 bucks and bought like a little bit of uh silicone to make a like a little mold and i was telling her i was like yeah if we can sell like if i you know, like, we'll figure it out. I don't want to gouge people. We'll do them cheap or, you know, let's figure out how much, you know, cost compared to labor. And so we came up with the price and I was like, yeah, if maybe if we sell like, you know, if I could sell six of these, that'll be enough money for like groceries and, you know, the electric bill or something we can figure out later. And, um, I don't remember, I can't remember how many we sold like our first day. Like, I think it was like a couple hundred, we got a couple hundred orders like the very first day. So it was just insane. And, um, and it just never stopped. And, you know, again, I think, and so we started trying to do everything we could. Um, you know, I had to learn how to build a business overnight. I'm so used to just kind of like working for one client and making sure that one client satisfied to going from having hundreds of clients <laughs> and making sure hundreds of people are satisfied. So that was, that was a big change. Yeah, that's difficult. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, and then uh, we realized how many people were getting orders from and this and that. And, you know, and again, I'm like, I think it's just, I'm an artist. I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm my own worst critic. I hate everything I do. I'm like, it could be better. It sucks. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a piece of shit. Why am I still alive? <laughs> yep, I understand. <laughs> the whole artist mindset that we get. So when people started contacting us about how they can get them, I'm like, oh, okay. And also, I'm sure you guys have gotten this too, or I can't tell you how many times like people have been like, oh, I got this script, or I want you to come work on this movie, or, you know, like, come and audition, we really like your audition, and we'll get back to you, and then you never hear anything from them. So I kind of thought that was just like, a lot of people maybe like blowing smoke up my ass. Mm -hmm. And then like, my wife and was, you know, helping me run all the business stuff. And she's like, do you realize we've done, you've gotten this many orders? And I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> so, like actual orders people actually yeah, want these so, yeah. i mean we we're and it was just again and like i made one just kind of slapped it together I had, so yeah again we've like i've had to learn so many things on the fly in the last couple of months um you know i mean we have it down to a science now but you know originally it was trying to figure out where to get straps where to get the buckles where to get you know what kind of paint we're going to use this that whatever um you know, and then we were running them out of resin and then we realized that the resin wasn't as durable as we wanted them to be and, and all this stuff. And then I was like, well, we, we had like five people working in our basement and I'm like, well, this isn't very good for social distancing. <laughs> we should do something. <laughs> so that's when we moved into the studio and it's when I hired this young lad cause we needed more people. <laughs> and, um, you know, we started renting a shop space with a, a fellow artist um, out of Pittsburgh and he has a vacuum form machine and it was Tom's idea. Tom was like, well, you can get plastic at the same thickness as the resin and it's more durable and it weighs like half a pound, it weighs almost a pound lighter. Why aren't you guys doing them out of this way? So we switched to those and, you know, we're still just cranking them out. So, you know, again, like I feel so bad. I wish, like I, I try to apologize to everybody as much as possible for, you know, like we weren't trying to run everybody, you know, I wasn't trying to run a scam. I wasn't like, <laughs> like, 
you know, I wasn't trying to run some like Nigerian prince thing. It was just like, I honestly, I, what it was complete honesty was I had lack of self-esteem. I had no idea. And I didn't really have enough confidence in myself to think that something I was going to be selling would be so popular and so many people would want them. Yeah. So that's kind of been my biggest hurdle to get over with this whole process. And, um, you know, and the fact that people have waited so long for us is just so heartwarming. And then, you know, just to see when people finally get it, you know, and they'll take, they take the time to write us back and be like, Hey man, look, like I finally got my mask. This is so much better than I thought it was going to be like, thank you. Thank you so much. Like this is, this was so worth the wait. you know, you guys are doing a great thing, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, dude, that, that's amazing. You know, and I'm like, yeah, this course, is a lot. Of course, there's there's both sides. You know, there's yes. a, well, there's, there's always going to be. Yeah, and then you got people like calling us, you know, fucking scumbags on online. But that's with everything. So I'm like, it's not just what the internet is. Is a bunch of people <laughs> calling oh. each other. That's yeah. That's the hardest thing to get through with anything. And um, I know this is like, I'm gonna go. It's not off topic, but um, yeah, even with our podcast doing this, um, for me, it's just like really scary putting our first episode out there. I'm like, I'm so scared. People are going to actually see it. I'm going to hit post. And then I don't want to look at social media for like two days. I don't want to, you know, but yeah. yeah, it's hard. I mean, like the more, the more people interested in something, um, you know, you're also going to have people come up that are going to talk shit and yeah. not be happy. But those type of people, they're never going to be happy with anything. I've done so. I mean, I've, I've had my dick kicked in so many times from <laughs> the internet on projects. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, I, I get it. And I know the fans want to have an opinion, but at the end of the day, I'm like, you're no disrespect, but you're not the one that hired us. And this isn't what you at like the people that the people that hired us and the people that wanted it are happy with our work. Yeah. So that's kind of, I don't say that's all that matters, but that's kind of all that matters. Cause I'm like, that's just what it is. I'm like, you know, if someone hires you to paint their bathroom purple, <laughs> it's like, that's what, they asked you to do so yeah i'm gonna paint your bathroom purple i'm sorry that you think it's a hideous color that's what they wanted right yeah. <laughs> people wanted chartreuse but they didn't pay you and they're there yeah at the end of the day you know it's art but it's still you know paying the bills and you have to adhere to what the client wants yeah i mean we've had and that's just i mean i've had people try to do that the opposite too where they've tried to like get creative and stuff on jobs and it's just like that's not <laughs> we don't want that <laughs> uh, yeah, i had one time we had this uh i won't name any names or anything but, <laughs> don't bury her or him yeah they <laughs> we, uh, we had a we got a, a job offer to make these skull masks like full head skull masks and they're like well we got so like planning it out i was like all right we have like 24 hours to sculpt this like so i hired this person was like can you sculpt this generic dawn post halloween three looking skull mask and we need it by tomorrow morning and they were like yeah absolutely sure no problem i go to their house next morning to pick it up and it is like something out of like Guillermo del Toro's nightmares like (laughs) like this big elaborate not work thing and i'm like it looks beautiful, but it's not what we needed at all. So it's, it was one of the only times I've ever like had to go back to a client and been like, we can't do what you asked us to do or I, we need some more time. So I just needed a chicken sandwich and you made chicken ala king. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a chicken sandwich. No, it wasn't. Even, <laughs> you know, I don't even know what it was. 
It was oh. like chicken. It was like chicken cordon bleu, and all you had was like, <laughs> like a fucking ten piece spicy nugget from Wendy's. <laughs> uh, but, so, uh, <laughs> sorry, what were you gonna say, Will? Oh, I was just saying I can attest firsthand uh, working alongside Jason. Uh, the funny thing is, when I got laid off from my um, job at the bookstore. I was like, oh, maybe what I saw. What was that, Will? Uh, I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> uh, but uh, when I got laid I off. It was, no, I'm just <laughs> the bookstore was now. Um, I just don't want to give them any free, free promotion. Uh, so when I got laid off, I saw you had posted online that, oh, I'm moving into a studio. And I'm like, well, I imagine you're moving all this fucking heavy machinery and stuff. So I was like, well, maybe he'll get toss me a few bucks. So I just texted you. I was like, hey, do you need help moving in? And you're like, Give me a couple of days. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe he's not ready to move yet. And then the next thing I know, he's like, all right. And I meet him and he's like, okay, I need you to make straps. And everything was already moved in. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what he's going to have me do. And he's like, I need you to make straps. And there's like this whole production line. And this is before he even switched over. You guys switched over to uh, vacuum forming. And uh, James Savini was there. He was showing me. And I was just, making he's like can you make straps i'm like absolutely because at this point i'd sat home for three months and i was just happy to be on the team and you showed me how to you know you taught me some stuff pouring molds but then we realized pouring molds for this um for the hockey mask wasn't the most effective way so then we switched vacuum forming and kind of learned together and i gotta say you know there were mistakes i've made tons of mistakes and you know still do from time to time not as many but it's just like to say your patience so that's another thing. So people listening to this that have ordered the mask and you have to understand we're learning this as we go. And, and yes, it's Tom Sabini and Jason Baker, but they're teaching us how to do this. They're employing new and students from the school. And then people like me who I I've worked, you know, I've worked in machine shops. I can paint, I can do this, but I'm also learning the artistry of it. So I really appreciate you for taking me under your wing and just saying like it, it has been a learning process. And I think we're, that the studio itself is finally hitting its stride. Oh, well, thanks, man. No, I, dude, that's been, this wasn't a master plan to get rich or anything <laughs> like that. It was really just like, maybe I can make a few bucks and, you know, I could buy my wife a box of name brand cereal. <laughs> <laughs> and were, you, were you successful? Uh, yeah, a little Did she bit. get her name brand cereal? What name brand cereal does, uh, does she eat? Uh, Mandy? Yeah. Maybe she's thinking that like good healthy shit. That's probably why like she's gorgeous. So you need to like, yeah. need to sell those masks to pay for that organic <laughs> that organic stuff. Yeah, you need to become accustomed to that organic, that good seven dollar boxes. Yeah. The casket <laughs> farms. Uh magic spoon, I heard. And and actually they're sponsors. So uh if you need to spawn magic spoon, if you want to sponsor uh Colosum Studios or Signal from Pittsburgh, hit us up. <laughs> yeah that's what i was gonna say i don't think you said i don't think you mentioned the name of your studio uh yeah colosum studio yes colosum <laughs> so we i was like trying to figure out how to say it the other night it kind of went really yeah i went really pretentious on the name <laughs> how'd you decide on that where'd that come from the corpus callosum is the nerve endings that connect the left side of the brain to the right side of the brain um, first off, my favorite monster is Frankenstein and the, you know, the entire catalyst of Frankenstein is the brain, you know, like and all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, people have always told me it's like to be successful, you got to use both sides of your brain. So the only way you can do that is through your corpus callosum. So that was sort of my mindset is I want to be artistic as well and good at business. So 
I think like you're doing a bang up job. I also, yeah, I, that was another thing I was surprised when I, when we got working and I got to know you even better that you said you had grown up essentially with your father, like being on the job site. So you had taken, I don't want to say real world skills to, you know, talk shit on special effects because that is real world but a lot of it is artistry but you took your practical skills from working on job sites and applied them with your artistry and that to me is the most amazing thing I've seen like the way you take every day well you know I I can hang drywall so how can I use that you know how can I use that on a movie set or I can pour concrete how can I use that on a movie set or, or in an artistic way so I was kind of blown away how you can kind of uh, co-op and apply those skills into like an artistic sense well that's i mean one of the things that tom always says is the more you do the more you get to do so you know i try to i want to learn about everything and <laughs> but now i always joke about how it's uh, it's funny that like i spent forty thousand dollars to go to college because i was sick of going to lowe's every morning with my dad and i go to lowe's <laughs> morning for myself and i'm just like what the fuck <laughs> you just can't get away from lowe's yeah but no man i mean again back to what we were talking about about the the mass situation and stuff you know like again we weren't we didn't start this to you know i didn't want to be like a warmonger or a profiteer or anything um and i love the fact that we've gotten to give back to you guys to have you sarah gary john bill kaylee you know um aaron andy james fucking kendra lisa you know everybody that's been working for us and working with you know radu sean everybody who's come in and helped us in one way shape or form or you know worked a little bit here and there and everything and it's such a good feeling because everybody that we've hired besides gary fuck him but, <laughs> we love you gary i love gary gary you're awesome but uh you know everybody was either like a co you know someone i've worked with before on other projects or you know or been a close friend so to me, that's been the big payoff is that I've gotten to like help people who I care and love about during this fucking weird ass economic hardship. So that, that's been the big payoff to me is that I'm like, none of my friends have had to starve or no, not all of them, but you know, I've been able to help out people and give them jobs. You know, you had, we've had a few people come in that were like really hurt and be like, dude, just come work for a day. We'll pay you. You know, or like, you know, are we even getting interns in from the school and, you know, being able to pay them because I know how like broke it is when, um, you know, I remember how broke I was in college, you mm -hmm. know, broke way after college too. So I'm like, you know, who am I to like ask somebody to come and work for me for free? You know, I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't sleep with myself if I ask somebody to come in do a bunch of work and then I paid them in a fucking t-shirt. So, which I've, you know, I've heard so many shops do before um you know i just yeah, no, that's very respectable well i just i want to give back you know and i'm so grateful for for our client base you know whether it be everybody who's been ordering masks wwe slipknot misfits all the you know all the wonderful amazing people we've got to work for and work with over the years i'm just so beyond grateful that you know a lot of our clients you know we have returning relationships with them and that just makes me feel really good so well, you, you brought it up before, and I'm a huge wrestling fan so much that uh, you bust my balls about it sometimes, but I appreciate <laughs> that. But uh, how did you, how is it for you working with WWE? Because it seems now more so, especially, uh, I don't think Tom travels as much down there, but it seems they call on you quite a bit. And how um, is it with the guys and your relationship and currently? Yeah, how's that Tom, and I, 
pretty, you know, I'm like, I, I feel comfortable saying that we've become WWE's go-to effects company. Um, I'm very proud of that fact. I've busted my ass to have that because it's, you know, it's WWE. Um, you know, everybody that we've got to work with, it's been amazing. Um, you know, they're so supportive and respectful and, you know, and it's really interesting how many people, you know, it's so funny because like I'll talk to so many of the wrestlers. They're like, oh, I wanted to be an effects artist, you know, when I was a kid and ended up becoming a wrestler. And I'm like, that's so funny because I thought about, you know, when I was a kid, all I wanted to be was a wrestler. And then I, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, well, didn't, I didn't really ever legitimate. I, I think until like about age eight, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a little, I had a younger brother. So like that was kind of like, I was like, well, if I could just get paid to like body slam other people, like I do my little brother, then I'm let them set. <laughs> So, sorry, well, what were you saying? Oh, no, no, you're fine. I said I tried it for a little bit. Legitimately, I was trained by uh, a guy who was trained by a dangerous Danny Davis, the wrestling referee, if you remember him. It made me respect wrestling. It switched me from being, uh, quote, unquote, Mark to, like, really respecting and liking wrestling in a different way, like appreciating, like, the work rate. And that goes along with special effects. It's like I like – when I watch a movie, I can be like, they, they really put their all into this. You, once you peek behind the curtain, it's kind of hard to lose yourself in the movie I, or wrestling or anything like that. I think you could attest to that. But And then when something like that does that, it really, you know, is miles above. And I feel that way with um, Bray Wyatt, the fiend that you worked on. Since I've been a lifelong fan, I was like, I just don't get the feeling. But once I saw you you know help reboot with that especially with firefly funhouse and the fiend it like gave me the old feels and i really i i really commend you for that i know it was a team effort but for what you did do that and i know you did a lot if you want to elaborate on that oh man well i didn't do nearly as much as bray and uh writer nick and all those guys i just got to come and i got to bring my potato salad to the barbecue that's But no, that was, it was definitely cool. And no, man, it was, it was a blast. It was great. It was so much fun. And it still is, you know, we're still always working on stuff and spitball. I was just talking to him. I was just talking to Bray and Nick and them today about some potential ideas and stuff. And um, yeah, you know, I was, I was a wrestling fan when I was a kid, you know, I'm knocking on looking down the barrel of 40. So I grew up with like, you know, the golden age or whatever they want to call it, the TV age with Hogan and warrior and those guys. And uh, then kind of fell out and, um, you know, starting to work with them and working with Tom again has kind of like re-sparked my love for, for wrestling. And, and um, I, instead of a love, I now have a respect for it. Something I didn't have before. I like, when I was a kid, you know, I was like, oh, cool. Like superhero guy punching superhero guy. Like that's kind of like how I thought about wrestling. And now I'm like, now I understand like what these guys go through in their lives and everything. And it's just have like the most utmost respect for them. And, um, you know, I can, there's no way in fucking hell I could do what they do. Um, you know, I've done, I've gone on like one, two day trips with like a few of the guys and stuff and it's not, not for me. I'm good. (laughs) So, um, but no, but that's the thing I love is I love seeing the fans get excited about the stuff that we did the way that I did when I was a kid, that gives me a really cool feeling. You know, the fact that it's, you know, and the fact that Tom's kind of allowed me to 
take the reins and run with them. And, you know, and of course I'd like, it's so funny because I'm like, Oh no, you go do it. You're good. And I'm like, fuck you. You're coming with me. Like, let's go do <laughs> Right. I love, he's like, all right, let's go. So I just, I love having Tom involved because it's fucking Tom Savini. Why would I not want to have him around? Right. So, but again, I'm like, I'm not going to make, you know, he's not, I'm not going to make him do, you know, fly a fucking red eye out to Salt Lake city in the middle of a snowstorm to go deliver <laughs> something. That's, you know, that's what I'm for. Well, I believe those ones to you, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, but I'm like, you know, but anytime we get a, you know, we'll get a call from creative or one of the wrestlers and stuff, I'll tell Tom about it. And he's, you know, he's always just like spitballing ideas or, you know, telling me that how we should do it or what he thinks we should do and this and that and everything. And, you know, I love, I love keeping Tom involved because it's, it's Tom, you know, and I think he enjoys, you know, we, I try to give Tom the best of both worlds to where like he gets to come in, be involved give us two cents, but yet, you know, he doesn't have to be the one, he doesn't have to push the broom at the end of the night. He's not going to, he's not the one that's got to make sure that they're, you know, that the rent check got out, you know, I'm like, Tom's paid his dues. He's, you know, he's going to be 74 here in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, I don't ever want to get in the way of him. You know, I'm sure Tom has made so many sacrifices in his life. And I'm like, you're not going to miss any more birthday parties or, <laughs> you know, the answer recitals or whatever. <laughs> anymore you can leave whenever the fuck you want and that's kind of what i love about our relationship and our you know not like our personal and our working my working relationship with tom so it's like the perfect combination at this point you know yeah i think that's what everybody would love to like be successful in their field and then when you get to a certain age whatever age that is who knows um to be lucky enough to be able to still do a little bit of that without having to do all the background work that you spent so many years you know grinding out so yeah yeah I mean, the thing is like, i think a lot of people they're just like they think they don't realize like how tedious a lot of effect stuff is and stuff like mm-hmm. that it's just like yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of standing around waiting and making sure stuff dries and you can't just walk away and then come back and hope that it dries you kind of got to watch it and make sure that things happen i think properly. that's what uh put me off of uh, like practical special effects. Cause that's what I wanted to do when I was younger. That was my original inspiration. I'm like, I'm going that direction, um, that and movies and film and stuff like that. And, um, as I got older and experimented with things, I'm like, okay, the, that that's not for me. I can't, I can't sit there and focus like that. And, but no, I'm just, I'm, I'm also not good with my hands. I can't sculpt. I can't do anything like that. So I just, I kind of found my strengths and ended up going more on the digital side, but I mean, it is the original inspiration for me to get into a creative field. So I definitely have some respect for you being able to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Your uh, resume like reads like a who's who. It's like a uh, my uh, 13-year-old nerdgasm wet dream. Do you ever, <laughs> uh, it's like you've worked with WWE. Did you ever imagine like in your wildest dreams, just being a kid from Washington growing up and be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, go work with Tom Savini and then I'm going to hang with, you know, WWE. And it's humbling to me the stuff that you've done and are still doing. You know, you're not done working with Slipknot. And yes, to you, I know it might be a job. And you mentioned when you look back at your resume, it's it's insane, like the people you've worked with and that respect you and you've done great work for. And I, I just, that's when I first met you, I was like, God, this guy, you know, because you can, 
people like that have an ego sometimes like you're like i've worked with this person and i've toured with the misfits and i've done this and i've done that but you're not like that at all if, if anything it's the opposite it's like no dude you've done this like it, it feels like you know i know you're not done but it's like look at everything you've already accomplished and you didn't really have a leg up it was all through fucking grinding and your hard work so um i mean it's all it's all because of tom man i can't <laughs> yeah I don't know. I just never wanted to wear a stupid ass colored shirt again and fucking <laughs> use a time clock. <laughs> never wanted to ask anybody if they wanted fries with that or, you know, if we were if they were signed up for our fucking Super Savers Club or any of the other bullshit that come along with like retail jobs. But um, no, man, I dude, I love what I do. I'm I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful that I get to wake up every morning and I get to make monsters with one of the greatest effects artists in the history of cinema i'm like how fucking cool is that that i think uh in a million years i would have never thought that i mean i remember like i was telling my wife the other day about i think it was like my sixth grade teacher told me that she was uh what'd she say oh yeah but i remember my sixth grade teacher telling me that i was probably gonna end up in prison oh geez. <laughs> oh no well you didn't so great job, Good job. Uh, it's just goofy <laughs> a few times but <laughs> and in county jail one time for the lamest thing ever so well, for, uh, can we go into it or yeah absolutely uh <laughs> I, it's, oh it's so stupid um i was like 20 and uh i i got a speeding ticket and let it lap <laughs> and uh i knew i had court but i kind of forgot which day it was and i thought it was the next day and it was actually that day and um I was living like 30 miles away from where I got my ticket, but my mom was living in that town. So I was like, Oh, well I'll just drive down, stay the night at my mom's and I will go to court in the morning and take care of this ticket. And I missed my court date. So I had a warrant out for my arrest. <laughs> Bench warrant. I got pulled over. So. Wow. <laughs> and you're like, nope, you have a warrant out for your arrest. I was like, what? <laughs> So yeah, I had to, oh, I had to spend in jail over <laughs> a missed speeding ticket. My God, <laughs> that seems kind of like a waste of waste of time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good waste of taxpayer dollars. <laughs> uh, it's a story though. Yeah, <laughs> pretty funny. It's like, of course, the one day I like I I mix my day my schedule up and end up in jail overnight for it. So. I bet you never miss a speeding ticket now or even get them at this point. You got to be the first thing you pay now because shit, that's, that's hilarious. You only have to have that happen once, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I gotta be honest here. I think you sell yourself short a little bit because yes. Oh, Tom gave you these opportunities, but you didn't squander them and you're the one getting called and you're the one that he put the ball in the court. He didn't have to go and start a studio with you and he didn't have to give you these opportunities. So your, your talent and your fucking drive and grind have got you here. So, I mean, speaks for itself. Yes. Yeah. Says you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was a breeze. Look at you. I'm just lucky. I don't have to work horrible jobs anymore. I've had some really, (laughs) I did some really horrible jobs growing up. What was one of the worst jobs you've ever done? Um, I was a night janitor at Walmart for almost a year. So scrubbing toilets at a Walmart at three o'clock in the morning will really make you reassess your life decisions. (laughs) I worked Uh, at a Staples for a little while and you'd be, for some reason, 
you'd be surprised how nasty the Staples bathrooms get. <laughs> yeah. Women's bathrooms were always so much grosser than the men's. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Like this one guy, uh, my buddy Sam and I would joke about it. We called it the oil change as our joke was because we'd find food wrappers in the sanitary napkin dispensers in the women's bathroom. And we're like, who's eating and going to the bathroom at the same time? (laughs) <laughs> I have no ex- I have no inside information on that. No, I was like, how like <laughs> like who's who's eating and like doing other stuff at the same time? No, that's the last place you want to open anything and expose yeah, it. That was bad. Oh Jesus. Uh, yeah, so no. many, and we at least every day we'd find at least one stolen pregnancy test. Oh, oh like, right in the back. Oh. oh, you're just like, oh, oh someone's future is ruined. <laughs> you find out in a Walmart bathroom. Yeah. Oh, my, yeah, talking about uh, reassessing your life. Bring that one to your kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I found uh, that one was pretty bad. Um, I worked at a super sketchy bar when I first moved here. That was really terrifying. Um, what were you doing at the bar? I was a bartender. And then uh, it was a bartender and then would work security. Oh, okay. But, um, and also I would open. And so like you'd find all like the crazy stuff from the night before. And like mm. I one night I found a loaded gun. Holy the shit. Next morning in the women's bathroom. Oh no. I'm like, how hammered are you that like you pulled out your strap, laid it on the toilet and then forgot to grab it. It's like, getting, the way, getting in the way of her Kit Kat bar. Yeah, <laughs> eating or taking a pregnancy test. That, that was a, yeah, that was a fun call. That was a fun call to the police department, being like, "I found this in the women's bathroom, like in the women's bathroom." <laughs> oh man, yeah, I yeah. I have no explanations, no inside info on that. I don't know. Do you take your gun into the bathroom, Brittany? Always, I take it with me everywhere. But you don't take it. You don't set it on the. Do you set it on the toilet uh, paper dispenser next to you, or do you I hold, hold it at the door? The whole oh, okay. time. So the then time. when you get those nosy little shits that stick their eyeball, like <laughs> you make eye contact, you can just point your gun at them. <laughs> That's what really happens in there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so back to the, so uh, back to uh, digressing from the bathroom <laughs> talk. Uh, does... Yeah, how are we bringing this back on track? Uh, right, well, I really I think... went down the toilet. Uh, uh, <laughs> insert rim shot here. Uh, yeah. But uh, so things that are you got to play Frankenstein, I recall uh, this is insider information. You said you love Frankenstein and you actually do you, this. Was this one of your first major roles, like acting on stage? That that's, I mean, it was community theater. I wouldn't really call it like a fucking <laughs> <laughs> big a role of a play. lifetime. Yeah. Oh, like I wasn't like opening Broadway or anything. But, uh, <laughs> no, what, you know what it was, was um. It was like two years ago, there was no work going on and I was kind of just getting antsy and stir crazy. And, um, you know, my wife's an actress and she comes from like a theater background and Tom comes from a theater background. So I have two like annoying ass theater kids in my life every day. Like, <laughs> theater, theater, theater. Oh my God, bit, 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 theater, theater, theater. And uh, so over years I've just heard about how amazing theater is and I'm just like, shut up, go back to Denny's and smoke clove cigarettes and leave me alone. <laughs> So I like they were they were just doing a local production of Frankenstein and I was like fuck it let's go try it out I don't know I'm like maybe maybe I'll end up like in the chorus line or something I don't know 
if I'm yeah. lucky. And I, and I went and I just auditioned and they called me back and, uh, yeah, I got cast as Frankenstein and we ended up doing this huge thing. Um, every night we did a four hour makeup on me. Um, I lost like 30 pounds to do it. I shaved my head completely bald. I let Tom shave my head. That was really funny. Cause he's always <laughs> talking about it. Tom's always like, I want to shave my head, but I don't think anyone would recognize me. And then like, I couldn't, you know, like he didn't think you'd get rolls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, you can shave my head. Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, Sarah uh, that works at our studio with us was our makeup artist every night. So yeah, for every day we do, it was about four and a half hours. It was a full body makeup um, and covered in tattoos. So we'd have to do tattoo cover up and then do all the stitching and scars and makeup and prosthetics and contacts and teeth and everything. Wow. And then, um, and then there was like an hour and a half every night of like scrubbing it down, but I loved it. It was so much fun. Um, theater is so different than anything I've ever done before. Cause, um, it's kind of like walking a tightrope with no net. So it's, you know, like film, if you fuck up, you're just like, Oh, cut, let's do it again. Right. You know, but theater is like, if you fuck up, it's like, well, shit. Now <laughs> How am I going to roll with this? Yeah. It's like, what are we going to do? So, um, yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was a blast. It was fun. Um, like Tom actually helped us out with like some few stunts and gags and stuff like that. So it was really cool. That's so, super cool. So yeah, it was, he, like, he taught me how to like choke a nine year old. So that was really fun. Just <laughs> <laughs> keep that out of context. <laughs> he was in jail once. Yeah. Watch out for this guy. <laughs> well, no, it was like this like 10 year old. It was supposed to be like Victor Frankenstein's little brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what it, what it was was like I would hold my hands out and the kid would do a chin up. Okay. And so it looked like from the, you know from the stage it looked like I was choking him. And right. Like, he weighed like forty fucking pounds, so I could just like pick him up and I would shake him. So it looked like <laughs> like legit. He would like flop all. The kid loved it. Like, like I was <laughs> trying like to. Like, yeah. Like I would like he looked like I was turning him into a Pez dispenser or something. Like <laughs> had him just like fly back. I felt so bad. And he just like. I'd have to hold his mouth from giggling. So it was fun and it was a blast. So I would definitely do theater again, if I ever had the opportunity and schedule permitted. Yeah. I was, that's what I was just going to ask you. It sounds like you had fun being on the opposite side, having, you know, the makeup applied and actually being, being the talent as you like to call it. But yeah, um, I would. I, I think I, I'm such a hypocrite. I don't like wearing prosthetics. <laughs> such a like dick thing to say i'm like i'll glue it on anyone else's face but i'm like i just i can't do it so that's why you're on this side yeah it's the time <laughs> you like to yeah Im- administer the pain not to <laughs> not be Ooh, yeah well i've always been behind the scenes will forced me into this podcast and made me at gunpoint <laughs> come out of my shot yeah at gunpoint he stole my gun no yeah. <laughs> no no i'm used to being behind the scenes i can understand it's been a little weird letting it out there putting it you know behind the camera person usually but i'm getting used to it i'm enjoying it and and i just kind of got inspired from honestly you and tom i kind of you know make something out of nothing it's like you're here so try it you know if you fail learn from it and pick yourself up and dust it so yeah you've kind of inspired this podcast so Yay. We, had. <laughs> we had to have you on um 
I guess this is kind of like a side for fun question, but is there anything uh, recently that you've watched, film, TV show, um, or specific special effect that has impressed you? Or you kind of look at and say like, how the hell did they do that? And kind of backwards engineer. Yeah, the the new Invisible Man. Mm. I thought it looked dumb as fuck from the (laughs) And then... um, I remember like it came out and it got really good reviews and I was like, huh. And then Tom saw, Tom has a very high bar when it comes to things like, so if, and he was like, dude, this is, this movie's really good. You got to check it out. And, um, and I think I watched like a, not like a behind the scene. It was like an interview with like the filmmakers and stuff. And they were talking about how like a lot of the stuff they did was practical and they did a lot of old in camera tricks and stuff, which was really cool. And um, yeah, my wife and I watched it the other night and I was, fucking floored and i've been kicking myself in the ass for not seeing it in the theaters yeah like a, like two weeks um i love the new take i love the new um you know i love how the invisible man now is um i, th- I thought it was really good i like that it was there's elements of like suspense and horror to it mm-hmm. um i like the uh i liked how they were smart with their um camera shots and stuff you could tell there's obviously like their budget obviously went to hiring the lead actress who i'm like i don't remember her name i know she's like handmaid's tale and stuff i'm sorry wonderful actress lady if i'm forgetting your name <laughs> and um you know and then all of course the the cgi heavy stuff with the with the invisible man but i'm like i loved how they were smart like all of a sudden they would just cut to like a shot way a shot down the hallway like halfway in a door you know give that voyeuristic hitchcockian approach yeah. to yeah and I'm like, that is such a good suspense builder and stuff like that. So I was really, I was really, really thoroughly impressed. So it gives me a lot of hope and a really a lot of excitement for like their new Willer, like Blumhouse is doing like a new, like their own dark universe, or they're kind of like taking over that scrapped universal idea is essentially what I've heard. Do you know anything about that? I've yeah, I've heard rumblings, especially well, it mostly off the success of this. So I don't think the mummy, I think the mummy is just gonna be its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're gonna acknowledge Tom Cruise the mummy from what I've heard. But they, <laughs> they go back and forth because it is Tom Cruise. So I'm sure if they can reverse engineer yeah, a way Brendan to kind Frazier of back. Kinda yeah, bring friend Brendan Fraser back. Elizabeth Moss is who you're thinking of. She's she was in Mad Men and uh is in the Handman's Tale. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she's awesome. And I agree with you on the suspense. Uh, there's a spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but there's a moment you and I were talking about this at work where um, the uh, Invisible Man's actually on, like the, she's up in the attic and she hears a noise and her, the, you know, she finds his phone up there and she turns around and like throws the paint over yeah. like him and then his you just see like portions of his body and it's like your mind has to adjust like you can be immersed in the film and seeing like can you imagine like that happening your mind would have to quickly adjust to what the fuck just happened to um rationalize what happened while you're in like that amount of danger it's fucking like I, that really freaked me out i'm like because it's I such an it unnatural weird. It, was weird. it was almost like hard to comprehend what you just saw yeah exactly yeah. it was it was a fucking it was such a great jump scare yeah yeah the so. original ones that i'd See, like, you knew it was coming, but, like, you didn't... I, to me, I figured he would be, like, f- downstairs and you'd see it. I didn't realize he would be, like, that fucking close in her face. Right. Yeah, that was so scary. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's things like that. Um, it's things like that in movies. You don't have to always reinvent the wheel, but if you can, you know, use the wheel in a different way. You know, if you can take a established trope and kind of spin it around and make it cool, that's what I really get into as yeah. well. Well, I love the, um, I just love the suspense building they did. That's my whole thing is I'm like, to me, like effects should always kind of be like the dessert mm-hmm. buildup. I think so many people like depend on the dessert where like, oh yeah, let's just throw a bunch of effects and blood and gore in here and, th- and it will sell, right? Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> no, like this movie's I'm like, I don't care how many people's faces you chop up with a chainsaw. If it's boring and dull and there's not a lot of like build up or anything, it's not gonna be any fun. So. I, I agree. Uh the the best films, in my opinion, commit one way or the other. If you're going to be overtly over the top you just have to go for it or if you're going to be serious you should commit to that and then like you said build the suspense and i think a lot of it happens so much with movies especially horror movies you fall in the middle of the road and you don't really please either you know you're just kind of bland yeah Mm -hmm. but um yeah i'm yeah that's i agree i we've recently watched that too and on your recommendation actually i said well we were supposed to watch it before the world fell apart and yes then <laughs> yeah it, we, we were, were supposed to go and on that night like you you were on the we were on the way to manor and we got there and they're like we're shutting the theater down yeah so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wish we would have seen it in theaters though that would have been probably a little more intense but it was still to it was still it was incredible yeah yeah no i want to see i can't wait to see what they do next with it so yeah it'll yeah. be awesome I um I guess I have one fault fo- one final question and then we'll let you go because I know you've worked all day. Um so obviously Colosseum Studios uh hopefully will go on and be very successful for all of us involved, uh including yourself and Mandy and all the artists. Ed what beyond that what shout out con- to Rachel for our customer service person. She's absolutely amazing. Rachel is a doll. She answers everybody she's answering your questions if you're listening to this and wondering as quick she's as she trying, can. Man. she's trying to get to everybody so yeah please please we, we apologize that she's a person yeah uh and uh my final question is uh well one of it's a two-parter what uh projects would you like to pursue in the future what after i mean let's say the effect studio keeps going is there something that you're chasing that you want to knock off your resume yeah or- i want to do like a two-week sleep study that's a legitimate project (laughs) i really want to do i want to sleep for two weeks and see what that's like um no man i mean i i love all of it i love doing props film on set off site all of it you know um so i mean anything that we can get and i'm extremely grateful for a, so you just want to break up the mon- monotony and keep growing in in different uh, different avenues. It sounds like uh, just as long as I can keep working, which honestly, my it never feels like work. That's the beauty of what I do is I love what I do. So I never, even though there's mornings I wake up and I'm tired, but I'm like that's just means I gotta drink an extra cup of coffee and get going. So, yeah. but I'm like I never I never hate or dread waking up and having to go to work. Cause they don't ever feel like it's work. Yeah. And once again, I can't express enough how thankful I am. You make us feel ownership. Cause I, we wouldn't, I wouldn't be anywhere without you guys. I'm, I owe you guys everything. So. 
Well, I owe you a lot for the opportunity, so we really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to toss it to Brittany. Final question so we can let this poor man sleep. <laughs> so I can get up in six hours and go do another podcast at like 7 a.m.? Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, we'll let you go in a minute here. Um, yeah, I guess we just want to know, is there anything else you'd like to plug? Final thoughts? Um, things like that? We, obviously, Callisum. No, again, I'm just, I'm so grateful for everyone who's like been a part of this whole mask thing and situation. And like, thank you guys so much again from the bottom of my heart for your patience and your support, um, all of your positive affirmations, everything, you know, again, like I feel horrible, you know, that we originally thought we could hit these deadlines and we couldn't, that's my own fault. I didn't realize we were getting so many orders and I didn't know, I didn't realize that so many of you were so supportive and that's my own fault. That's, you know, I, I, if anyone's to blame, it's me, it's not the crew, it's not anybody else. All they've done is bust their ass every day, day in, day out. So again, thank you guys so much. Um, we've got some really cool new projects and products that uh tom's been working on so we're really excited to have those up on the website relatively soon for you guys and uh just stay tuned awesome and we'll have a link to the website in our uh and our show info for you so once that gets launched we will add it to there um final thing is would you do a little plug for our show just say this is jason baker and you're listening to signals from Pittsburgh. you are you're jason baker and i'm listening to <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Hold on, you guys ready? Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is Jason Baker, and you are listening to Signals from Pittsburgh.